Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Guys, it was about 7th or 8th grade when I started regularly uh, going to church. Uh, It was really just kind of by the grace of God that I wanted to go. Also, there was a girl there that I had a crush on, so that helped. And uh, it was not, it didn't take long uh, for me to just love going to church. I wasn't missing a week. It was awesome. And I just was like, this is perfect. This is so fun. I have making friends. It's amazing. But it didn't take long for that honeymoon perfection of my, of going into church to end uh, because, and it, it ended when I met or really first heard about this other guy that went to the church and we're just going to call him Ryan. And Ryan was in the same grade as me. Uh, we had a lot of mutual friends and I did not like Ryan. I really, really did not like him. Uh, I can tell you now that it was mostly just jealousy and pride uh, because he was cooler than me. Uh, he was definitely more popular. Uh, he had nicer stuff than I did. He, he wore rock revival jeans, if you know what those are. Uh, he was more athletic than me, which is really is saying very little, but still he was, so that made me mad. Uh, but then everybody was. So, uh, I, and then he just had this, this cocky arrogance about him that I just didn't like. I, I did not like him. And the, the worst part was that I, over the first few years of, of knowing Ryan, I don't think I ever said a single word to his face. But I said plenty behind his back because I did not like Ryan. And let me tell you what, it only got worse because it got to a point where every time I saw this dude's face, I was ready to put these gloves on backwards and then put them on right ways. And I was just ready to go 12 rounds with this dude. I wanted to fight him. And whether it was with my words or my fists, he was cruising for a bruising and it was go time because I just... Oh, everything about him was just annoying. And then it got worse because in my junior year, I was dating a girl that I liked and she dumped me. And then a few months later, guess who she started dating? Ryan. Oh, I was fired up. I could not believe it. I was ready to go toe to toe. I was like, let's go, buddy. But I'm over it. But I never did. I didn't do anything, in fact. I never said anything to him. I kept my anger inside. I kept my mouth shut, and I kept my hands at my sides, even though they were clenched in fists. Now you might hear that story. And you might say, nice job, Tyler. Way to keep it inside. Glad you didn't hit somebody in the face. And let me tell you something, though, that when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to the kingdom that Jesus came to the earth to bring, the kingdom that he is describing in the Sermon on the Mount, the way that we live in this kingdom, I might as well have said those things to his face. I might as well have hit him. Because in this kingdom, it isn't so much about what I do or what I don't do. Jesus is not primarily concerned with our actions. He does. He cares about the things that we do. But he also cares about what's underneath, what's in our hearts. Because Jesus knew 
that who you and I are is not just the things that we do. So let's look at it. Matthew 5, 21 through 26. You just heard it read. Jesus is starting to get very practical and very specific on what life in the kingdom looks like. And he starts with the big guy, murder. If I asked you to name any one of the 10 commandments, chances are good that you would, this is the one you would say. Maybe like don't steal. But if you, if you had to name three, you were probably at least naming don't murder. And so Jesus says, you've heard it was said to the people long ago. And what he's referencing is the Old Testament law, the, what we read about in the first five books of the Bible. And he is saying to these people, hey, you've heard this, you know this, because Emily talked about this last week. They were familiar with the law. They knew the law, especially this big one in the Ten Commandments, even if they didn't follow it. So he says, hey, you've heard this before. Don't murder and you won't be judged. Don't, or in other words, don't murder and you'll be blessed. And that's what they thought. They, they would have thought, okay, like, don't murder. Got it. That's the big one. Not that hard to obey. Like, I am not actively trying to not murder somebody. This one's kind of just a, a gimme. But it's okay because I can keep the deep anger and I can keep the deep hatred inside, baby, as long as I don't act on it. I can, think, I can wish that they were dead, but as long as it stays inside, God's cool with it. But that's not where Jesus ends. He doesn't just say, hey, you've heard it said. See you guys later. No, he goes on. And he says, but I tell you. And so he says, hey, you've heard it said, and this is still good. This is still true. And now I'm gonna tell you what that really looks like. I'm gonna fulfill this law. I'm not destroying it. I'm not getting rid of it. I'm fulfilling it. And I wanna show you what the true intent of the law is. And so then he goes on to list three different examples of what this looks like in the kingdom. They're not laws, they're examples. And they show that Jesus is serious. They show that Jesus is serious. And so, because it's not just murder that's up for judgment anymore. It's anger with a brother or sister, which is like, ooh, that's me. Or, and then Jesus goes on to say, he uses that word raka, which is sort of that word you, you kind of say it from your throat. It's almost like the sound that you make if you're like hawking a loogie. And that's kind of the point. That's kind of the point because it's not so much a name that you would call somebody as it is a way that you would see them or treat them. Somebody that is worth spitting on, that doesn't have value, doesn't have worth, doesn't have dignity. Somebody that, you, that is just worthless to you. It's degrading who they are as somebody made in the image of God to say that they're less than human. They're not important. And then Jesus says, and anyone who says you fool will be liable to the fire of hell. Okay, that's, well, that one's serious. Because I've called people way worse things than fools. So, so what's the deal, right? Like, What's Jesus getting at? Well, for the first thing that we need to know is that the word that Jesus uses there, which he wasn't speaking English, so the word that they translate as fool is not necessarily the way that you and I would use fool today. Like if somebody calls you a fool, they're just like, you're being dumb or whatever. And it, it means something much deeper than that in Jesus's day. See, the book of Proverbs described the fool as the type of person that was arrogant and careless. The fool, and this one's, Nasty. The fool is like a dog that re-eats its own vomit. The fool returns to his folly, his mistakes, 
over and over. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to ever be described like a dog that eats its own vomit. That just wouldn't be fun. And so, according to Jesus, to know somebody as so arrogant, to know somebody, that seeing them as so arrogant, so careless, so evil, in that way is the equivalent of killing them in your heart or killing them in your mind. And, and to do that, Jesus says, is justifiable to the fire of hell. The flames might as well be going. And I don't want to water down Jesus' words here because it shows that Jesus is serious, that he cares about our hearts. And the reaction that you and I have when we read, you fool, you're going to, like, like the reaction of like, wait, what? Jesus can't have actually said that. What did he, what did he just say? That's the reaction Jesus intended because it shows that he's not playing around, that he cares about our hearts and he knows our hearts. And so that's why he's making this powerful point so that we will see what he is trying to get at. The heart matters far more than you and I often think that it does. And so I wonder how we would finish that phrase today. That phrase, you've heard it said. Like, how would we finish that? How, what, what kinds of things have you and I heard that lead us to be angry with somebody? What kinds of things do we believe that lead us to view somebody as honestly kind of worthless and I, I don't, I couldn't care less whether they were around or not? What kind of things do we hear that, that, or see, make us see somebody as not worth our time, not worth our thoughts, not worth life. It's like, what leads us to think like that? Well, I think it might be statements like, you deserve to be angry. You have a right to be angry. Or statements like, get even, even if it means getting angry. Or, or statements like, it's cool to be angry. It's cool to be disrespectful. It's cool to have an attitude. It's cool to be sassy. It's cool to be mean. It's cool. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe it's a statement like get even, even if that means getting angry. And Jesus has something to say about that. Because here's the thing. Our angry actions, our angry thoughts, our angry words. God cares about all of them. He has something better for us. Jesus isn't just standing there saying, stop, and then leaving. He's inviting us into something better. And that's good news. Because I don't know about you, but one of the reasons it's good news for me is that anger can be exhausting. Like, I don't know. Thank you. I don't know. Come on, somebody. I don't know if you have ever held in anger right? But it feels like you're just like a stick of dynamite, right? And you're just like waiting and waiting and waiting to just explode. And you're like this cartoon and the red is just rising. And then it's like steam's coming out your ears, just waiting for you to like rage on someone, right? That stinks. You just, you're like pent up and you're just like, oh, or like going to bed angry is the worst because going, going to bed angry is like going to bed. If you were covered in like dirt and tree sap, it's gross. And sleep will help you forget about it for a few minutes. But guess what's still there in the morning? And now it's all over your room and your bed. It's gross. The dirt is still there. The stickiness is still there. It hasn't done anything. In fact, it's probably just gotten worse because you've just been in it. 
Because here's the thing. Yes, Jesus cares about our actions and what we do, but he also cares about our hearts because whether our anger stays in or whether it explodes out, it can hurt us and it can hurt other people. And so Jesus is calling us to something better. He's calling us to a higher way of living, a higher holiness. And it starts with our heart. The heart is the start. Rhyme. There you go. The heart is the start. And that is what Jesus is showing us here. And so, yes, anger is exhausting. But the good, the, the real reason that this is good news, that Jesus has something better for us, is that he knows what he's talking about. And we can trust him. He knows our hearts. He created our hearts. He knows what helps them. He knows what hurts them. And he has our best interests at his heart because he cares for us. But, we, but it's worth noting, and we need to note, that if you have read your Bible, and I hope you have, then you have seen that God himself gets angry. You've seen the anger of God in the Old Testament when foreign nations attacked Israel or Israel uh, worshipped idols. You've seen the anger of God in the New Testament when Jesus runs into the temple, starts flipping tables because they've turned his house of prayer into a house of robbers and thieves. So what gives, right? Like, like so God is allowed to be angry and, and we're, just, we're just not? Yes, but no. Because here's the thing. At its core, Anger is not bad. I want to be really clear. Anger is not bad or evil. In fact, when anger isn't corrupted or poisoned by our sin, it's actually a form of love. It's an emotion that God gives us that helps us to see when something is wrong and something and it needs to be made right. When something is wrong and we need to act. So we see this in God. We call this his righteous anger. So God gets angry when, when someone's taken advantage of. God gets angry when injustice occurs. God gets angry when evil tries, uh, tries to cause pain. God's anger is set against evil. And if that's what your anger is set against, then that's good. And that's a gift. And that, is, that, that should invite, that should move us to action, to defend somebody who can't defend themselves, to speak up and protect somebody who can't do that for themselves, to stop evil. It's a gift. But a lot of times that's not how our anger is. A lot of times our anger is because we have a wounded pride or wounded ego. And we just think that it is so unfair that that person got that thing and we didn't, or it is so unfair that, that they didn't get in trouble, but I did. And, and so our anger is often selfish and even sometimes hateful. And God's anger is always just, it's always fair, it's always loving, and is always patient. God himself describes himself as slow to anger. And that is how our anger can be too, as we learn to live in Jesus's kingdom. Anger is not a sin. It is how we direct our anger that causes it to be a sin or not. It's like, it's like fire. Fire in a fireplace is really good. It brings light, it brings warmth. You cook food on it, it brings nourishment. But a raging fire that is out of control or a fire in which a spark jumps from the fireplace and catches uh, the drapes on fire and, and the whole living room's up in flame, that's not good. That's bad. 
And that is the way anger often is. And so you may have gotten angry before. Duh, you're a human. You maybe got angry when you saw a friend get bullied or someone treated unfairly that you, th- that you, you thought it wasn't fair. You, you got angry when you saw something that happened on TV and it was wrong and, and evil and that made you angry. But if our reaction to those things is, I hope that that bully, I hope that that jerk gets a little bit of taste their own medicine. If our reaction is rage and we end up looking like anger from inside out and we're, we're fired up and we're mad, right? And we're, we got the flames coming out of our head. Like if that's what we end up looking like, we're out of control and we can't even see the anger. In, or we can't even see anything else because all we can just see is how mad we are. Then that's where Jesus comes in. And he's like, hey, that, that's what I want. That's what I'm working with. He's, he's pinpointing it and say, hey, I've got something better for you. That's, that's, that's gonna hurt you. That's dangerous. I love you. I have something better for you. Will you trust me? And so if you're kind of like me and you, you maybe look at your life and you say, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think I'm that angry of a person, then that's good. But no one gets off clean here because no matter who you are, We've all got people and places and situations in our lives that get us fired up. You can probably think of something in the last few weeks, even, where you're like, man, I was ticked. I was irked, right? Like, we're human. That, that, that happens. And so, that's where, that's where it, Jesus comes in and he says, hey, I, I care about you. I care about your heart. And he wants to deal with our hearts if we will let him as we learn to live in his kingdom. Because yes, he doesn't want you to murder. Duh. But he also doesn't want you to live in such a way where rolling your eyes at somebody is a thing that you do or, or calling people a name, whether it stays in your head or whether it comes out of your mouth. He says, no, I've got something better for you. And that's... It's kind of an impossible life to live if we live it on our own. But if we step into this kingdom that Jesus is describing here, then over time, over a lot of failure and a lot of grace, we will begin to look like the kind of person in which what Jesus is describing here is not impossible, but it's just a part of our nature because it's not just Tyler, it's Tyler in Christ. And so it's, 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 a, it's impossible on our own. And that's the point. And so Jesus gives us an example of what this looks like. He says, therefore. So he's okay, if everything that I just said is true, here's what it looks like on the ground. It looks like reconciliation, making right. That's what that word reconciliation means. It looks like making right, a wrong relationship between you and a brother or sister and you and an enemy. And this is very evidently important to Jesus because he says, hey, even if you're in the middle of making an offering to God, if you are in the middle of worship, stop, leave, and go make it right. This can wait. Now, when they were going to make an offering to Israelites, nothing was more important in that moment. This is what I need to do. And Jesus is saying, yeah, no, 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 it can wait. Can you imagine what this looks like today? Hey, your wedding ceremony can wait. You need to go make that right first. Hey, your homework can wait. Your friends can wait. Your game can wait. Your family can wait. The most important thing in your life can wait. This needs to happen now. 
There is a relationship that is wrong and it needs to be made right. This is the kind of thing that the kingdom heart does. It seeks reconciliation. And so for you, this might look like asking for forgiveness for an unkind word or an outburst of anger. It might also look like giving someone forgiveness who did those things to you whether or not they've asked for it. It's not easy. It's not meant to be easy, but it's better. It's better. And so during my senior year, uh, that guy, Ryan, I had a small group leader that knew me well. He knew Ryan well. He knew our, our history of conflict. And he called me out, man. It was, it was really embarrassing. He knew, and he, he said that it wasn't, it was really not cool what I did. What, the things that I said, the ways that, that I made Ryan not want to come to church anymore. I mean, and I could, I was so sad and so mad at myself, and I couldn't believe it. But I could at the same time, because I knew exactly what I had said, and I knew it was in my heart, and I knew that the things that I had done were not displaying the kingdom of Jesus. They were rejecting the kingdom of Jesus and they were making me king. And so encouraged and challenged by my small group leader, I knew what I needed to do. So he gave me his phone number and I reached out to him and boy, let me tell you, that was not a fun conversation. I said, I was sorry. Sorry for the things that I said and did and even the things that I said about people that he cared about and and the way that I didn't show him who Jesus really is, and it stunk. It's hard and awkward as all get out and uncomfortable and, and just weird, but necessary. There was a relationship that was wrong and it needed to be made right. And so he was really forgiving and really gracious. But he also let me know that, let me know that, that what I did was not cool. And I didn't try and be like, well, you kind of deserve, no. I listened and I said, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he forgave me. And this is the kind of thing that the kingdom heart does. Not saying, I'm not telling you that story because it's like, hey, look at me, I'm awesome. No, I stunk. I'm, sh I'm telling you that story because when we trust that God knows what he's talking about, the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does. It changes hearts and it writes relationships that are wronged. So we can trust him because he cares about your heart. He knows your heart. And that's where he wants to start. The heart is the start. And so I wonder what it might look like for you to step into this life that is the kingdom, to step into the kingdom and let Jesus change you from the inside out, to trust him, to trust that he knows what he's talking about, that he loves you, and that he's leading you and offering you something better. And so now we're gonna sing to him. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. 
If you're interested in learning more about Christchurch, visit us online at cco.church.